If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On the last episode of Guilt. Which yep, one? yeah, that's right. So, yeah, and, and so, you know, slowly being ripped to pieces as it, because it'll weaken the, it'll weaken the cloth and, you know, you can, you can imagine how it will just slowly disintegrate. Mm. I, I wouldn't be at all. So, I mean, cotton's, you know, relatively, you know, I imagine cotton, it's pretty easy to destroy, I would think, cellulite. So, yeah. And also, I think the reason it was there, because it wouldn't go into the pickle tank. Yeah. You know, because there was a jacket that was put in the pit. There's, there's jackets with his wallet and that went into the pickle tank, but the hard hat was too big to go through the little hole, you know. It's violence that may disturb some people. Today, we can officially announce that New Zealand Steel has cracked the code. Of June 2004, scientist Jim Donnelly vanished from his work at the Glenbrook Steel. From Brevity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolfe, and this is Guilt.
we're on the home stretch now. I told you this podcast would be made up of two parts. We're now coming to the end of the second phase. At this point, I expect another six episodes. But don't worry, these episodes will be covering a huge amount. I'll be looking at other theories and whether they hold any merit. But I'll also continue to build a better picture of the smaller details. Things that will help us get a clearer picture of what actually happened to Jim. These episodes will be released weekly from now until the conclusion of this season, which will culminate in a feature-length final episode where I compile everything we know to then give my theory as to what happened to Jim. I'd like to remind you that if you want to support this podcast and also get each episode a week early, plus have access to bonus content and have an ad-free listening experience, you can do this by subscribing to the Brevity Plus channel on Apple Podcasts, or now, for non-Apple listeners, you can subscribe via our new Acast Plus channel. You'll find the link in the description of every episode. Your subscription greatly helps support me to make more content, so thank you to all those that have already subscribed. I've said that episode 10 is the episode that changed everything. And I really believe that. And I know you can't wait to hear more. So for the 11th time in season 2, let's get into it. As you can imagine, NZ Steel is a big place. So big in fact, that it has its own railway station. This is known as Mission Bush and is one of the busiest railway stations in New Zealand. The Mission Bush Line, or branch, connects the North Island Main Trunk Railway to the Glenbrook Steel Mill. It's using this line that NZ Steel transports coal and lime into the plant, and also uses the line to export finished steel via Tauranga Port. In the last episode, Mark Olsen described this train as being the ideal way for someone to leave NZ Steel undetected. Be that a person stowing away, or perhaps a body. This piqued my interest as quite a practical theory on how Jim could have possibly left the mill without a trace. Obviously, I need to know a lot more about this train and how it functions to ascertain if this is a real possibility. Because as it turns out, there's not just one train, but five. Okay, I sort of gave you a bit of a rough idea. Um, As you know, like the first photograph that I sent you, that's the way the steel coil used to be carried. It was carried on flat decks and so forth. And most of the the box wagons that you saw there were just uh, empty purely to take the the, uh, tarpaulins back. Uh, to the mill to put over the because um, they were they had tarpaulins over all the steel coil, yep. but they were basically open. This is Neil Robertson, one of the trust board members of the Glenbrook Vintage Railway, and a New Zealand railway historian. I spoke to Neil about the Mission Bush Line and how it operates out of the steel mill, and his knowledge, quite frankly, left me astounded. It turns out 
that the setup of the trains had changed significantly in the immediate years before Jim's disappearance. Whereas once the freight wagons were uncovered, providing nowhere to hide, in the early 2000s they were adjusted to include a large box-style tarpaulin cover, which if someone was so inclined, would provide perfect cover. By 2004, uh, the train had actually completely changed into something different in that the wagons were these covered sort of cover all things they they had a, a cover over the top from the you know the, the the side of the the wagon sort of right up over the roof and down and it was all one piece and it concertinaed back you could just push it back and it just you know concertinaed into a very small area so it became essentially open and flat again and then they could put the um the, the steel coil inside that and then they would just cover the thing back over Neil sent me through a couple photos of this train, which I'll post on my Instagram page. But just to give you an understanding, the main train in question, bound for the port of Tauranga, carries completed steel coils for export. Each steel coil can weigh many tonnes. Every day, they're loaded onto the wagons and then transported to Tauranga, direct to the port. Also in this interview... We primarily discussed the topic from the point of view that Jim himself stowed away. But despite the fact that it would seem unlikely, we also must consider that if Jim's disappearance was the result of foul play, which could be the case, that this could have been a method to remove his body. Because of the bizarre circumstances of this case, and the simple fact Jim has never been found, everything must be considered. So if he was to travel on that train, he could possibly have hidden in there, um, you know, somewhere under one of the, or near one of the coils or something, so he wasn't observed and, you know, down at the end where it's concertinaed up and what have you, because they would only come so far down and uh, and then grab it and close the wagon off. And then when he gets to Tauranga or wherever, uh, he could just cut a hole in the tarpaulin and, and slip out if he wanted to. That 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 that's that's one scenario. Yeah. And uh, mind you, I wouldn't want to be in one of those wagons if one of those steel coils got loose. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, they they were fairly securely in there anyway. They sat them in cradles and they were chained and and what have you. Yeah. yeah so um, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, so it is feasible. It is possible mm. that he could could go down on one of those trains. And, and so, so the one that we we're talking about um, in our emails, so this coil train. So where would that? Yeah. We used to. Where would that run to? It goes to Mount Monganui. Yep. And uh, at Mount Monganui, the, it, it just pulls into a special part of the yard at Mount Monganui. Uh, where there's a, a warehouse where the steel coil are stored until the ship comes in and then they, they go onto the ship. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite easy really to get from the rail yard into the port if he was going to sort of get onto a ship or something, if he had some idea of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when we were talking and when you're sort of talking, I don't know if you know the exact timetable, but when you say sort of at night, what sort of, are we talking sort of like seven at night or midnight or... I, I actually can't tell you for sure exactly what how it you know what time it left. Yep. Its equivalent leaves now at around seven o'clock, yep. 
but things have changed quite a bit since then in the way the, the empties and things are returned up and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, it, it, I, my, my memory of it is that it was actually after dark that it left. While not crucial to this theory, the most likely time a person could realistically stow themselves or something on a train would be at night, when it's dark. In my mind, the later the train, the more realistic the theory. So I was interested to know what time the train left back in June 2004. Neil wasn't able to accurately recall. His best guess was between 7 and 9pm, which I felt was quite early for this theory. However, fortunately for me, train enthusiasts are great record keepers. I contacted the New Zealand Railway and Locomotive Society and spoke to Honorary Archivist Graham McClare, who described my request as most unusual, but was incredibly still able to pull a master plan from that era. Normally, when a new plan superseded the old, the first one was discarded. He outlined that in the master train plan dated 27 June 2004, on a typical day there were six trains, the first being train 145, an empty coal train bound for Tarapa, leaving at 12.45am, the last being train 395, a loaded export steel coil train bound for New Zealand's largest port in Tauranga via the Mount Monganui station. It's time of departure, 10.30pm. So you also mentioned that there are other trains as well. Um, one, did you say yeah. there's one from Huntley? And Tell me about the other trains that come and go. Well, there's sort of about three coal trains a day. Uh, well, in those days, there were four. Uh, the coal trains are not going to get you very far, and, the, and you, really it's not very many places you can get onto a coal train that's going to be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, they're just big coal hoppers and uh, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, he would be going on an empty one on the way down, I suppose, if he was doing that. And that goes as far as Huntley. Uh, the last one of the day, which does leave late at night, would get you down as far as um, Tarapi Yard because the last one always goes into Tarapi Yard. They do a bit of a, a service on the wagons and then they come back up pre-dawn to do the first the next one the next for the next day. The only other train in 2004 uh, was the 138135, I think it was. And this is the line train um, that used to come up from Tikawudi, and it used to bring up line, but it would also bring up the occasional, because in those days there was a little bit of domestic steel that uh, would also go out of uh, Glenbrook. But that would actually amount to maybe three or four wagons, and then you've got the lime wagons on top of that, and that train would go up to Mission Bush, uh, you know, shunt all that stuff off, and, uh, and and empty some of them, and then then pick up whatever domestic tonnage there was, and maybe a little bit of the uh, the empty lime wagons, and head back again in the afternoon. It used to leave about one one thirty in the afternoon. And that's about it, really. Mm. With many trains leaving a day, I assumed it could present the opportunity to go in many different directions. I asked Neil about the possibility of jumping in an empty coal wagon heading out of the mill. Neil is just going off the top of his head with the times, which is amazing, but he's slightly off. At the time, 
the Coltrane's left at 10.30am, 5.35pm and 12.45am. Well, that's just Coltrane. Oh, so that was a Coltrane. So, so, so what happens is the Coltrane's used to leave empty, just go down to Huntley, uh, and then they'd run around the train and go out to the Rotorua coalfields and fill up and then come back to Huntley and then back up to Mission Bush. But the last train of the day, which was 145, used to probably leave at about 11 o'clock at night and it would just go straight down to Tarapa uh, with the empty coal wagons because the coal wagons needed a little bit of uh, servicing before they went back into service. And uh, so they'd be there for a couple of hours for servicing, and then they'd take them back up to Rotawara to go, yeah, to to be loaded again uh, for the next, their first train of the day in the morning. Okay, so we could say hypothetically there would be empty carriages going down. If someone wanted to get dirty, they could jump up and jump in. Empty wagons, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he would be wanting to sort of. There isn't really a, a good place to hide on those wagons. Yep. So he could have been seen. Oh, okay. And one of the things that drivers do at night is they um, they actually inspect the uh, train. You know, when two trains cross, and often there's one that's stationary when they're doing the crossing, uh, the, the driver on the stationary train will put his headlight on full after the locomotive's passed and he will inspect his train as it goes past. And if they see anything unusual, they'll radio back to the driver and say what's what. And and if there was somebody, you know, on a on a wagon, uh, it's quite highly likely they would see that. Yeah. yeah. So when you say, I'm sort of imagining like a big bucket-style wagon that if you got inside it, no one would see. So you're talking something. You wouldn't get out of it. Oh, right. Okay. You wouldn't get out of it and you'd, you'd get buried by coal. Oh, you know, there isn't a ladder in or out or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. you jumped in that, that would be foolhardy. Yeah. So really it's the yeah. coil train that would be the only hypothetical, realistic one that you could get yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. And um, how many carriages would one of these normally have, the coil train? Uh, well, in those days, oh, 20. Anything from about fifteen to twenty-five. Oh, so quite quite long. Yeah, they could be quite decent sized trains, but you know, occasionally they can be, you know, uh, even a little bit smaller than that. If the, you know, for, you know, they're they're on. Uh, some sometimes they're doing maintenance work at, at uh, Glenbrook, so uh, production stops or something, and then when it just gets started again, the, the trains are a little bit smaller, you know, ten or fifteen wagons, but. Uh, on average, you know, they were, they were up sort of near the 15, 20, 25. Yeah. 25, 20. 20 would be the average, I suppose. Yeah. 20 wagons. That's a surprisingly long train. And the longer the train, surely the more opportunity to move unnoticed. I ask Neil how many drivers and staff would normally be present to carry out checks and operate the train prior to it leaving. Uh, now... Um, yeah, well, what happens is that the wagons are usually shunted around the back to where they are actually manufacturing the uh, the coils and where they're loaded out. And so the wagons are all loaded out there. Uh, the Mission Bush uh, shunting system is, is their own people. They've got uh, their own staff, uh, the mill staff, and it's a, a driver and uh, a, a sort of a one and two. And they they alternate one one's driving one day and the other's on the ground changing the points and coupling up and uncoupling and that sort of stuff. So they would take the wagons down probably in the morning, 
and they'd take them around the back of the mill to the loadout spot and they'd leave them there to be loaded. And then, you know, late in the afternoon, the, they'd take the shunt engine around, couple up, and then drag all the loaded coil wagons back out into the big main yard. And that's where they would sit uh, until uh, an engine was coupled onto them to take the train south. So they would actually sit there for a while? Yeah. This is important. We would have to assume that in order for someone to discreetly board a train, the perfect scenario would be for it to be sitting, waiting in the dark. And that's exactly the situation with this outbound coil train. The wagons would be moved right through the mill to the rolling mills plant, where they would be loaded with coils. The train tracks quite literally run right into the rolling mills plant, less than 100 metres from the pickle line where Jim's hard hat was found. Once the coils are loaded, the wagons are then shunted around to the main Mission Bush station where they sit and wait till 10.30pm before they begin their journey to the port in Tauranga. At the time of Jim's disappearance, sunset was approximately 5pm. Also consider that the external searches in the days after Jim's disappearance were called off upon darkness each day. In theory, this would present someone with the opportunity to access the train unseen. He could technically go out into the yard when the, when the, the train is taken out into the yard and he could sneak into the train there. That's possible, open it, but he'd probably have difficulties closing it. I'm not quite sure how easy it would be for him to close it from the inside. They're not designed for that. Mm. I mean, I sort of thought, you know, like, could a person, so I'm just looking at the picture you sent me here, um, could a person just cut a small enough hole in the back corner somewhere to slip inside and it might Absolutely. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think if you've got a really good sharp knife, you could get through that tarpaulin quite easily and you could actually sort of just make it a slit mm. uh, so that it's not that noticeable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so um, but that, is, that is highly possible. The, the crew that come down on the shunt, they couple on at, at the end um, and uh, put on the brakes. You know, they, they put on a, they attach brake hose and uh, put the taps down so that there's air running all the way through the wagons for the brakes. Yeah. And uh, and then the guy on the ground will probably should, but probably sometimes doesn't, uh, would do a quick walk around the train just to see that everything is, there's nothing sort of untoward. And so I'd imagine it would have to be when the trains have, after the coils have gone on, they're sitting in the dark before they start getting shunted around. Um, uh, yeah, it- could be, but um, they might actually be picking those up. The shunt might actually pick those up. I don't know what time they used to bring them around. They might have brought them around, you know, maybe by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. That, that's possible. So it, it's probably, you, I'd say it's more likely to you know, be in the main yard itself. Yeah. And it's not as if the main yard itself has, you know, got people all over the place. It really hasn't. The only two staff that work there regularly are the, um, the, the shunting staff Somehow I think he left that mill, but how, I, I don't know. And the train mm. is a possibility. Well, it certainly is a possibility. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, what, so at the other end, where the train ends up, down the mount, so what's mm. that like? So is it sort of like a huge yard with lots of trains? and? Yeah, so, well, so there's, a, there's a big um, 
Martin Yard alongside. So it's parallel with the wharves at uh, Mount Manganui. Yeah. And uh, on the extreme western side, the western, uh, you know, the railway line on the extreme western side of the um, of the yard is how that train used to come in. Still does actually. And it goes down to the northern end of the yard, and that's where the they unload the wagons. That's where the warehouse is for the steel coil. So the engine would just sort of go straight down into that spot there and just deposit the wagons in, in place and, and then, you know, just come off and go back to Loco. That would be it. And uh, they'd probably get there before dawn. Yeah. And so, you know, sometime in the morning when the crews arrived, they'd start opening up the wagons and unloading them. Yeah, so there, there would realistically, it'd probably be a period of a few hours when the when the um, wagons were just sitting there waiting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sort of ample time to to jump off if if you needed to. This may all sound pretty extravagant and honestly quite unbelievable, but the reality is, it's actually very possible. Personally, with the knowledge I've learned about how this train operates. I think I'd have a good chance of stowing away without being seen. I'd certainly love to try. Unfortunately, I'm no Milky Bar kid, so that's out of the question. But I feel like to really get a better sense of what could be possible, I need to see this train for myself. The Mission Bush Station isn't one I can access. But the other end, in Mount Monganui, is actually quite open providing a good view of the coil train as it enters the yard. So, for the first time in my life, it was time to go train spotting. Okay, I've been checking every day uh, for the last week to try and find this Mission Bush train uh, from Glenbrook Steel Mill to Mount Monganui, and it hasn't been running daily or anything, um, but I've just logged on um, to the Kiwi Rail Network. I've been given a login so I can see all the trains and where they are. And I can confirm 345 has just left Mission Bush, so it's just left NZ Steel. So tonight is the night uh, I'm going to do some train spotting. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, it's nearly midnight, and I am driving over the Kaimai Ranges into the Bay of Plenty in New Zealand pouring rain uh, tonight me and my puppy Achilles uh, if you followed the podcast from season one uh, you know I lost my last dog passed away uh, last year and I needed a best friend and so I have another German Shepherd puppy and he's my boy and anyway it's me and him and we are on the way to track train 345 the Mission Bush coil train from NZ Steel to the largest port in New Zealand in Tauranga the mount and like I said earlier the mission here is to try and ascertain if someone could be stowing away on that train could they get off without being seen and yeah I'm keen to see what I can find and um the weather is, is not ideal, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. I'm looking forward to seeing that train come rumbling in and get an idea of of um, whether this is possible. Onwards. We drive on through the wet night, winding our way up through the Kaimai Ranges, Achilles with his head hanging out the window living his best life. I've been given some rough directions of where I should wait to get the best view of the train as it enters the yard. But as I arrive in the port, locating the spot turns out to be a bit trickier than I thought. Right, I've just got to Port Tauranga in the mount, well, part of it anyway. A lot of shipping containers around. Um, can't say I've ever been down here around this time. Uh, it's just coming up after midnight. Um, I expect the train to come in around, apparently I've been told about 12.30 or something like that. So I'm just trying to locate exactly where the tracks are, um, which is a bit harder to see than I thought it was going to be. Um lots of big silo tanks and just industry chemical, huge chemical tanks holding, oh here we go I just drove over some train tracks right then okay alright, I'm in the right area then I managed to find some tracks which I follow down a side street towards the centre of the port until I eventually come to a large gate with a sentry that I clearly won't be able to access Right, I've just got to the port of Tauron and gate into the port, but there's and there's a railway crossing here. I can't go any further, but it's quite crazy. You know, there's these huge warehouses, obviously, where things come from the port, and there's massive dump trucks inside moving all kinds of things around, and you can probably hear in the background just stuff happening. A lot of weird smells in the air as well. I can see huge piles of logs and 
just all kinds of stuff. Um, but anyway, the tracks go past me in front. Now, from what I looked at online, the tracks eventually... I can see a train down there, actually. They eventually turn off and go, I think, right into a warehouse that I'm looking for. So I'm going to just keep looking and see if I can find that. I swing around in front of the gate. A passing security vehicle eyes me suspiciously as he drives past. I make my way out and follow the road further down, past towering piles of unknown export materials, before I eventually come to another train track that could be the one I'm looking for. I love going to places like this at times when, you know, you wouldn't normally be here and everything's just alive. Industry doesn't sleep. Oh, here we go. Kiwi Rail, Mount Monganui Freight Terminal. Right, okay. Oh, there's another train track here. Right, it comes... Okay. It's coming right round in front of me. Okay, I think I'm in the right area here. So, there's a... I follow this down. Wow, huge mountains of... I don't know what it is. It must be lime or something. Eventually, I come to another gate. This time, I decide to hop out and have a chat to the security guard. He eyes me somewhat nervously as I approach, probably wondering what the hell I have in my hand. Oh, it's just a microphone. Hey, how are you? That's kind of random. Um, I'm wondering, do you know if the train, the NZ steel coil train, does that finish here or is it further back? You have no idea? Do the trains come this far or do they stop back a bit? Oh, I'm a journalist. I'm doing a story, yeah. I was just wondering if... I'm trying to find where the train finishes. Yeah, no, I, I can't. No idea. Anything. No, I don't know. Don't know. Okay, sweet ass, cool. Thank you. No luck. He had the look of a deer in the headlights, not quite sure what to make of me and why I'm here at midnight with a microphone. I decide to turn around and head back down the road to where I saw the previous tracks. Okay, right, so I've pulled over and I'm standing (laughs) in the middle of some massive industrial area and I've got two tracks that go right in front of me and I'm pretty sure from what I've looked at the aerial view that this is the spot where the train's going to come right past. Um, Right now I'm looking at the port and um, as you can imagine, there's huge piles of logs and, I don't know, miscellaneous hills of, I don't know, what kind of chemical or lime or sulfur or something. Um, I don't see anything that looks like it would re- relate to a steel company. But I think the train comes sort of past me and then it continues on up to where it goes into a, or next to a large building where I assume it gets unloaded, so... Yeah, I'm kind of just hoping I'm going to see it come right past me and then I'm going to jump in the car and chase it down the road to where it ends and then, I don't know, I don't know if I could get lucky and jump out and have a chat to someone or not, but obviously that security guy I talked to before, he um, he wasn't too keen to, to chat to me. 
he was looking at my microphone like it was a loaded gun. But yeah, let's just hang here and and see what happens. It's kind of exciting. I've never um I've never been train spotting before. I hop out of the car and take up residence on a nearby power box, which sits directly adjacent to the train tracks. It's just after midnight. I've been told that the train should arrive at 12.30am, so it shouldn't be long. I set up my recorder and wait. And wait. And wait. Um, one thing I have to say is my, my sort of impressions in this area, my first impressions here while I've been standing here for quite a while, is that if you, if you could get down here and you can get off the train without being seen, you could disappear easy. There is no one here, and if you were just in normal clothes anyway, no one's going to look at you twice, and there is just an unlimited number of places to hide or just walk to. Um, You know, if Jim somehow got on that train or was put on the train this would be the way to get out of that mill and be long gone without any trace being left. And you're in a port, the largest port in New Zealand, in a whole different part of the country. You know, does it seem far-fetched? You know, there's that part of you that sort of feels like that, but in a case like this where nothing makes sense, this probably makes the most sense. It's almost one o'clock in the morning now. The train still hasn't come. <laughs> Looking back at my car over here and Achilles has got his nose resting on the window watching me, wondering why I'm being a weirdo standing here. Hello, boy. Hello. Hey. Hey, good boy. He's a good boy. Still no train. Come on. I keep, I I hear like phantom noises. I think I hear it coming and I turn on my recorder. No, nothing. Surely it can't be far. I've been waiting for just over an hour at this point. I'm genuinely starting to wonder if I'm in the right place. I have no idea whether trains often run late or if they normally run on time. I'm getting bored wandering around the area when a ute suddenly comes tearing out of what looks to be a nearby control area and pulls up beside me. Oh, I just had um, some guy race over in a ute from, <laughs> from in the yard and check to make sure I wasn't some vagabond about to get run over by the train good news as I asked him when the train comes and he said 20 minutes so uh, it's an hour later than what I thought but I'm happy that it's coming so I'm in the right spot just keep waiting keep waiting and then suddenly a light pierces the darkness illuminating the once black alleyway Diesel engines rumbling and wheels screeching. It's here. 
Number 345, the NZ Steel Coil Train. If you can hear that, this is it. It's coming past pretty slow. Um, just looking at it, I mean, the ta the the tarpaulins are, are quite loose, even though they are fixed. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not sure you could you could easily cut a hole in it and do that. But yeah, I mean, some of them actually have damage to the tarps. It's a long train. Alright, I'm going to follow it round a little bit here until I get told off. There's kind of nothing stopping me follow it here, so I'm just going to walk around the corner a bit. I mean, it certainly slowed right down. The train is now moving at a slow jog and swings its way round past me and into the yard beyond, pulling up next to a huge warehouse, its doors open, revealing thousands of some unknown product inside. I decide to follow the train on foot down the tracks, hoping to get a better view of where it finishes, and if I'm lucky, maybe speak to the driver. Unfortunately, I think it's going to disappear around behind some other car uh, freight wagons. There's a ute following it behind. <laughs> I'm just in this random industrial yard just following this train. Oh, and they're bringing another, I think that must be a shunter that they're bringing up to move the, the freight wagons. I mean, I wonder, am I going to get in trouble if I just follow this train down here? You know what, I'm just going to walk down here, fuck it. If they tell me to leave, then they tell me to leave. Um, I can probably just look from a distance here. quite sure what they're up to at the moment I mean at the end of the day right now you couldn't be really jumping off the train right now we well, I mean you, you probably could but 
you know, there are a few people around sort of hooking things up to it. But my understanding is these things are all going to get moved to somewhere else, a, another spot where they're then going to sit till the morning when these coils start getting unloaded. It's hard to say what my thoughts are on this. It's certainly possible. Uh, I'm going to go and just try and talk to someone in an office here and see if I can get permission to walk down and have a look at this train. If you don't ask, you don't get, right? I head a few hundred metres back down the tracks where there's a large control tower, similar to what you might see at the airport, only not as high. I can see the top of someone's head through a window, so I make my way up an external flight of stairs to try my luck. It's 2am at this point, so I have no idea what their reaction will be. I knock on the door, no one replies. So I try it, and it's unlocked. Hello. Hello. Hey, mate. How are you? Um, I'm just a journalist, and I was the steel train that came from Glenbrook. I saw it just come in. I went, like, would it be possible to? Would the boys let me go down and and have a have a chat to them about it? No. No. <laughs> uh, oh, well, they come back down here now, will they? Yeah. So, so what happens to that train now? Does it sit there till the, later on till it gets unloaded? Or? Yeah, it gets unloaded. Um, uh, I've done that before, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. But the, <coughs> the freight wagons will just sit in that same spot? They'll just sit there. Okay, yeah. yeah. And once they um, finish hooking up, the, or once they walk away now... His initial hesitancy gives way to his curiosity as I explain why I'm here in the middle of the night. And he says he'll radio the train driver to let him know I'm waiting for him. So I can direct my questions at him. So I say thank you and make my way back down the stairs and out into the night to find my driver. After a few minutes waiting, the locomotive itself slowly makes its way back towards me. Having unhooked from its cargo of steel coil wagons. There's something eerie but very cool about the moment. The sounds and the visuals of the train in the night, illuminated by a few overhead streetlights. The train pulls up, and I see two men jump out and make their way in my direction. He's a nice guy. Oh, they have actually... Oh, they are actually moving the train further down now. I don't know how much you could hear of that, but... um, Yeah. Oh, he said the guys are going to come back down, so I guess I'll just wait here for them. It's going to be a late night. Hey, you guys haven't come from Glenbrook, have you? Um, the, we, mo- the trains come from Glenbrook, we're going to come from Taraba. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I just was hoping to ask some questions of the. I'm doing a, a story on the. 
to do with the train coming down from Glenbrook Steel Mill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just looking to t- speak to the people who operate up there and come down. I guess they just came in now, but it's not you guys. Yeah, we just come off three, four, five. Oh, okay. But we only took it from Hamilton oh, okay. to, to Mount Monganui. Oh, yeah. Um, another crew bought it from Mission Bush. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you'd be familiar with sort of the um, train and how it works. Do you yep. guys? Do you ever do the Mission Bush yep. run? Oh, you do as well. Yep. Um, basically, I'm investigating a disappearance from 2004 from the mill. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Jim Donnelly, and he went missing from the mill. We've Never... heard all about that. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, so I've been investigating this case and for the last few months, and it came to my attention that there's a train, this train that leaves every day at night, and someone mentioned that it could be possible to potentially you know, get into one of the freight wagons, possibly, while it was in there, and sitting up at Mission Bush, and then sort of stow away to get down here. Oh, look, anything's possible away, like, we, we get there, but... Yeah, and we're probably not supposed to speak, so... Oh, I mean, it's, all I was wondering, really, is, you know, those, the concertinas on the back yep. there... Um, yeah, I mean, I sort of was watching them come in. Do you think it would be... How do they open? Do they have the sort of clips on a, the side or...? Yeah, it's just a big bloody um, lever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just sort of thinking in theory how a person would jump in there. And I mean, obviously, they sit here for a while now, do they, till the morning yeah, until they get unloaded? You, you, if you're inside, I don't believe you could get out, to be honest. Yeah, unless you had a knife or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, no one... You've never had anyone stow away on a train or anything? Um, that you're aware of? Mm, well, we've had people surf the train and stuff. And, yep. Um, and then they've been, you know, falling off and running and run over or whatever. So. Yeah. Anything anything is honestly possible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, yeah, it's just, I just thought it was worth coming to check the train out and have yep. a look. Yep. Um, you know, because I don't really know anything about but them. The but the security, they've got heaps of cameras up at Mission Bosch, so you'd think. In 2004? I don't know then. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know then. Mm. Like I was, um, wasn't even um, a trainee then as such. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, don't know. I think the cameras back in those days were not too many. I don't think, yeah. and and the ones that were, they were about a good quality as a potato, pretty much. <laughs> but but um, all right, okay, cool. But yeah, we're not supposed to say too much, but yeah. yeah. But we could say that anybody, yeah, you know, anybody could stow anywhere. I mean, you know, you get them on planes and ships and da 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 da, so yeah. they could do it on the train. And I mean, so the but train. We, well, we wouldn't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So it's just two of you guys drive no, each just train. Just normally one. Oh, just one. Just normally one. He's a trainee, yeah. so he's learning. Oh yeah. So. Um, yeah. And is it sort of pretty common? I mean, you wouldn't really do sort of. Would you do checks of every wagon and stuff? I mean, probably yeah, um, not. Or the, no, the shunters do. The shunters check. They, that's what they do. They do a terminal test and they check. But they um, would just see that all the doors or the, all the curtains are closed. Yeah. They don't actually check inside the wagon. Um, so it's theoretically unless possible. Unless they could see something leaning outside the bloody... Yeah, something a mess, I guess, but you'd have a look. All right, now that's cool. I'll, I'll let you go finish right. your night. It's a late one. Yep. Yep. All right, Thank thanks, guys. Yeah, not much to be gleaned from them. So they basically, you've got the drivers that drive from Mission Bush to Tarapa and Hamilton, and then they change drivers. And so these guys took over in Hamilton and drove here. You know, like you said, anything's possible, really. And I mean, it is. I mean, I feel like I could get on that train if I wanted to. Um... Is that what happened? I don't know. 
I don't know. From being here, though, I would say I don't believe it's likely that you could put a person on a train here and you know, and get them off without being seen and getting it on. I mean, that seems too much of a stretch. But could a person on their own get onto this train, get here, and get getting off here is not going to be a problem. Yeah, I think I think it's it's certainly possible. Certainly. All right, Achilles, what do you think? Home time. It is right now two o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, been a, a good night. Right. Let's go. I swing my car out of the yard and back over the tracks. The once relatively steady stream of cars has become almost non-existent. And there's a dark, eerie feeling in this place. The rain once again beats on the windows as we make our way out of Tauranga and back up over the Kaimai Ranges. Achilles has fallen asleep with his head resting on my arm, knackered after a late-night train spotting. In the silence, I run over what I've seen tonight and try and reconcile that with my train theory. Does this make sense? Is it possible? I come to the conclusion that it's about what I thought it would be. It's 100% possible. There's no doubt about that. It would require minimal effort and planning, but it would take some balls to pull it off successfully. I certainly didn't find my smoking gun, but I did confirm that a person could have hidden in a wagon of this train and escaped unseen at the other end. But if that were the case, and Jim had in fact stowed away on this train, then why? For what purpose? Could a person simply jump off a train and onto a boat? That would seem a stretch. But like I've said before, in a case as bizarre as this, we need to keep an open mind. And remember, Jim has never been found. So anything is possible. Guilt is written, produced, and edited by me, Ryan Wolf. The title track is Nuclear Conception by Alison Winter. You'll find further photos and videos related to this podcast on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ, or our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. If you want to support this podcast and help make more great content, plus get ad-free listening and bonus content, you can subscribe for the price of a coffee on Apple Plus under our Brevity Studios channel. Or, for non-Apple listeners, you can now subscribe on Acast Plus. You'll find the link in the description of this episode. You can also find further information on our website, theguiltpodcast.com. If you have any information related to the disappearance of Jim Donnelly, you can contact us anonymously at brevitystudiosnz at gmail.com on the next episode of Guilt. In your experience, have you ever had like a case
cow or a sheep or something like that end up falling in the pond? No. Never had that happen. No. Uh, yeah, generally, the farmer keeps his stuff up further yeah. uh, on the top paddocks. So these paddocks are are rented by another farmer. So they keep their, their sheep and everything up. They're normally cows now, big yeah. cows. At some stage, we did have sheep around here, but we never had really any issues okay. with sheep. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, people say, you know, if you put a body or something in here, that I try to imagine what might happen to it. Um, so I guess if you've got this biological material, it's designed to break things down uh, quickly, digest, isn't it? Digest, yes. Results still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic Out of Botulinum Toxin A is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.